0: ready hello and welcome to another edition of skeptics and seekers i'm your host david the christian along with my co-host david johnson what's up uh
1: heaven, uh, heaven? But I'm about what's down I'm let's glad... get down no, buddy i'm just
0: happy that you started believing again so you're not a skeptic <laughs> anymore but anyways anyways Hey, we've got an awesome addition for you today. Uh, we've got two ragtag teams here that are going to hash it out. So let's get ready to tumble. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: we've got on the left. We've got. <laughs> we've, got left, we've got on the left. We've got questioning Christianity. It's a podcast that, uh, you know, talks to skeptics and so on. So uh, my friend Caleb Johnson. Uh, I got. I got him uh, through. Through us, uh, was it Facebook, and asked him if he wanted to come on and, and get grilled. So he said, Yeah, he's going to get his team together. And, and that's how it came about. Caleb, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? And then you guys can just go around and introduce each other and all that stuff. I'll, I'll introduce
1: my team. Don't worry. Okay. About
0: okay.
3: okay. Yeah. Right. So right. I'm Caleb Johnston. Um, we started Question Christianity a couple of years back. It started off as a local group for here in our regional area. We saw a need for uh, some apologetics and some discussions that we didn't see happening within a lot of the churches in the area. So we started it as an effort to seek and uh, speak to seekers and skeptics across the area and have open, honest discussions. Um, And these two gentlemen here with me today are uh, my co-host and the ones I started this with. Uh Kev, I'll let you introduce yourself first. Uh,
4: I'm not sure why you brought me on the team, Caleb, but it's, oh it's been fun. <laughs> I'm just this guy who works at FedEx, but also uh, teach an online intro to philosophy class uh, as an adjunct at a college. Um, and I've enjoyed seeing the interaction uh, there with Christianity and other faiths. And yeah, I'm looking forward to our dialogue today. Thanks.
5: Charles? Yep. Charles Graves and uh part of Reasonable Faith, uh chapter director for Arono, and glad to be on the team, glad to be on the call. All right. Uh,
0: awesome. Go ahead, David. I'll let you uh introduce your ragtag team.
1: I'm David the skeptic, the heathen, I'm not quite Satanist. I was too bad for them, couldn't get in. Um but anyway, yeah, David Johnson, uh, the other part of Skeptics and Seekers, and my team, the Pit Bulls, the Pit Bulls, just three white guys hanging out, uh, me, uh, and then there's, um, did I say three white guys? Um, it's uh, it's me and, and the other guys, uh, Andrew, who does a plethora of podcasts, uh, he and I like to bounce ideas uh, off the walls um hello and, kids uh, so thank you uh, andrew for agreeing to come on it wasn't really more, uh, an agreement to come on i told him that the show uh was going to happen and a little bit about it and he was like yeah i'm in um uh, so there's that uh there is matthew uh who is uh the brit uh also a well-considered uh person whose opinion i very much appreciate and i also like to um uh, abuse from time to time because he's so good-natured. He brings it on himself. Uh, how you doing, Matt? Groovy. Thanks for the command performance. And uh, we've got, did someone call me a commander? Uh, that's a promotion. I'll take it. Uh, and then we've got uh, Darren, Darren Lute. Darren Lute is a bad man. Uh, so if you don't know Darren Lute, uh, he is a harsh debater, soft- softly spoken, Um, but he's a very bad man. He is not someone that you want to get uh, in a uh, intellectual tangle with. And before he asks me to demonstrate that, uh, I will just let him speak for himself. How are you doing, Darren?
6: I'm doing good. Although I have to wonder why everyone puts my last name. I'm never just Darren. I'm always Darren Lute. Because well, you
7: are a bad man. It's, uh, it's like how they name serial killers.
6: Right? If, we knew, if we, we knew you your, your real middle real name. Real names, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: if we knew your middle name, we would use it, I promise. Uh, I like the whole John Wick thing. You don't call him John. You call him John Wick. You know? yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah, that's us. We've got a few questions. Uh, we were told to get some questions together. Uh, in fact, what I was told to do was uh, bring, bring a team of, of bad people um, and get ready for a bar fight. And so (laughs) these are the three that came to mind. Uh, I I am ready. It's not ready to tumble, by the way. It's are you ready to fumble?
0: (laughs) uh, Oh, all right. It's already getting heated here. Hey, hey. I named this uh, podcast uh, "Grill the Christian." It's kind of like the whole stab on uh, Unbelievable, you know, where they have Girl the Christian. So I was kind of thinking, you know, why don't, why don't we have something like that? So that's kind of where the idea came from. So, David, I'll let you lead your band of skeptics to uh, begin the questioning. No, wait, I got the it. the dialogue. Are you ready to grumble? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to look it up.
1: Never mind. Um, so I got uh, the
0: retro mic, so I can say it, you know, let's get ready to, but I, I don't want to rip off the dudes, you know, I think he yeah. trademarked it, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say yeah. it. Um,
1: skeptics and seekers can't handle that kind of lawsuit, man. <laughs> um, so I am going to start uh, this off with Andrew. Uh, you have the first question. We will be throwing in some questions from another <clears throat> guest who didn't make it. Brian with a Y, uh, he uh, he wasn't able to make it today. He would have been the fourth member of the Pit Bulls, but it was scheduling. So uh, we'll we'll get his questions in uh, a little at of time too. Andrew, you're up. Okay,
7: so as a setup uh, for the first question, I'm guessing uh, that the Christians that each of you. Sorry, guys. I don't uh, don't remember everyone's names, and we're only just meeting, so forgive me. It'll get better as the show goes on. I'm presuming that each of you would support the idea uh, of a non-physical God in the sense of of classical matter and maybe even uh, dark matter and dark energy. In other words, a God that lives outside of this universe and is non-material in that sense. Um, So the first question then is, uh, if you do, in fact, support that position, that there is a, uh, a non-physical God from a classical perspective. Um, how do you demonstrate that empirically, that there is a, a non-material, non-corporeal mind? Okay. Okay, Please. well, I guess the show's that, done. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's we uh, We don't know how to answer
5: that. Uh, well, I'll, maybe I'll start off and then I'll let uh, Kevin and Caleb uh, pop on. Um, so, one of the things that we as Christians believe in is uh, revelation. Now, that's, that's a whole different dialogue, but God reveals himself as spirit. And so, um, of course, there'd be questions as to why we believe revelation to be true. But given the fact that we, I think we all believe that uh, God's revelation of himself describes himself as spirit, so I think that's why we do it. But your, your question was um, empirical evidence? Is that, is that the that is
7: That is the, yes, that's the heart of the question.
5: Okay, so the the first thing that comes to my mind is what I'm sure everyone is, well, maybe some are familiar with the Kalam cosmological argument. And so given the nature of our entire universe being physical uh, and there, it, it seems to not be plausible that there is an infinite regress of physical events that whatever caused or created the universe has to be non-physical in nature. And so um, for me, that would be something non-physical so I think that seems to be some type of empirical evidence for a non-physical creator.
7: Um, So I don't I don't know how much we're supposed to push back Russell what is the uh, so are we supposed to ask and step away if we are I'll be true to that format Um, if we're not what is (laughs) (laughs) look that's between you and Russell man I don't know you know what is what is our format because uh, it was asked and answered. And if that's,
0: you know, if that's what we're going with.
7: Yeah. I'm
5: but sure. I think it's grill the grill the Christian. So, I mean, I've been accused of
1: that
0: before, actually. If you want to <laughs> if you want to push if you want to push back a little bit, that's fine. I will step in when I okay. think it's time to move on. Is that fair? Well, I'll you know? tell you what. What if me or what David? if
1: we what if we did this? Uh, Andrew, you asked the question. What if what if the uh, rest of the team got a chance to do a follow up and then you can finish with your follow up, Andrew, if we can all be fairly quick about that, and that'll okay. give us all a chance to weigh in uh, on that. So yeah, um, that suits
7: me, and I'll make my follow up suitably short so that we can get to the, you know, to the rest of all of the questions.
1: Darren, you want to you want to go ahead and follow uh, follow that answer about the Kalan? Um,
6: well, I'm just not sure how that counts as empirical evidence um, because you've got a supposition that. um something immaterial has to cause the universe, but you don't have any demonstration that that supposition is actually true. And Andrew's question was specifically about empirical evidence, and I don't see how um, the Kalam argument counts as empirical evidence. Uh, That was my
7: follow up, by the way, so that pretty well takes care of me.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so um, I want to try to distinguish between empirical and physical uh, because they're they're not the same thing. Generally, empiricism is looking at experience, most typically sensory experience, but experience in general. So, I think the kalam is a combination of sensory experience observations about the universe as we experience it sensorily. So I'm not exactly sure uh, why this uh, doesn't get It sounds like it doesn't get off the ground to you guys. So I'll need a little more help unpacking that, I think. So before before you take it, Matthew, I just want
1: to refer to the questions. Darren, I think, was this your question about minds? Um, how does that God's mind? Second... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, if uh, it, if it's, I just don't remember, I didn't put down whose question was uh, what, but so it, I it asked follows a question up about to this. Minds
7: preceding from minds, and Darren asked right. a follow up question about uh, infinite regress in regard right. to that. So, let me question.
1: let me just read that off because that kind of goes in this section. How does God's mind exist if minds can only come from other minds? Doesn't God having a mind, demonstrate the phrase, minds can only come from other minds, is wrong. That seems to be a a natural uh, follow-up here. So uh, if one of you want to take that, and then we'll uh, come come back to Matthew.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll dive in here just a little bit. Um, So... I think one of the often misconceptions in this area is we're dealing a lot with the law of causality within the physical universe as we know it. Um, We can't exactly say that the same rules of causality hold up outside of time, space, and matter as we know it because we exist in a universe of time, space, and matter, and that's where our laws of causality uh, come from. So to say that a mind can only come from another mind, I think, is something we largely draw from our assumptions of the material universe rather than uh, prior to this moment of the Big Bang.
7: So as my last comment here, then, I will simply say that if you can demonstrate there are laws um, prior to the Big Bang, and you can (laughs) somehow codify those laws in a way that uh, demonstrates that there is some orderly progression to them, that there's a, a a way to test them, to verify them, to work with them in some empirical way. If if we can get there, then we have actually made it much further than this conversation ever gets for me. So,
1: so, I- so if before but, there's a response, I want to go ahead and go to Matthew because we we skipped over Matthew. Oh, and that yeah, was,
8: that, Matthew, that, that, I'm that's sorry. That's fine. There was there's well, he was okay. praying. He was praying. So. <laughs> I saw him up there. He was. <laughs> oh dear! He caught me with my eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better not admit I was sleeping. <laughs> um, the, I just wanted to to feedback on what what uh, Caleb did just said, and it was very similar to what Andrew said. Is um certainly with what you said about the laws within our universe. Yep. Yeah, fine. I'm agree with there. The problem is when it gets to the comments about outside of our universe or or outside of the Big Bang or however you want to to phrase that, I don't know how we can tap into any kind of knowledge of there being a mind in existence prior to the Big Bang or whether even the phrase prior to the Big Bang makes any logical sense anyway. So I think that's where the problem is and I, I don't know how to parse any kind of answer that includes that phrase
5: yeah actually i want to talk about that because i I think you're right to to even bring up the questions like can you even talk about before the big bang because so my understanding is before you can't really say before the big bang so without the big bang or without the universe nothing existed so there there was there was no thing there was an absence of everything and that would include laws so the the question about what type of laws would exist before the big bang or without the big bang and the answer is there are no laws there there is theres there is no thing. There is no physical attribute. So all physical laws, all physical matter, energy, time, space, those things all were without existence. The That's only thing- not true.
1: I'm sorry. I can't. Sure. I, I just can't let you finish that. Um, that that may be true in one Type of cosmological model. If you assume actually, that it's not this, true that in any this, cosmological model. Yeah. So if you if you assume that this instantiation of space time, life, uh, matter, energy is the only instantiation, maybe you would have a point. But you can't show that this uh, universe did not bang or exude from a, another universe, um, which is uh, also a a Cosmological model that that some experts uh, noodle uh, the, uh, as a possibility, and so you're you're just making an assumption uh, that no, this. I'm not
5: actually not making an assumption. So my understanding of current cosmo- cosmological models is that if one universe did spring, and we'd have to talk about the different methodologies of how that happens, but if one universe did spring from another one, you still maintain the level of entropy. And so there is, there is not a possible infinite regress back in time. So it, there is no f- current physics that would describe a method for one universe to pop in from another one. But even if there was, you still have the, the problem of the third law of um, thermodynamics. So there's going to be a specified number, which means you're going to get back to an original beginning. There's going to be an original instantiation. Not, not necessarily. Um,
7: let me it, just say cool. that Matthew and I, had the opportunity uh, to get the official reporter for the Royal Astronomical Society to come on to Persenium uh, about six weeks ago now. His name is Phil Hopper. We did an entire episode on cosmological models. I would encourage everyone listening, if you want to understand what the current state of cosmology is, and if you want to understand what cosmologists are actually thinking. This is the guy, Phil Hopper, that is engaged with cosmology in the modern sense. He is the person that does reporting for the Royal Astronomical Society. And what is being represented here? uh, The idea that there is some entropy that uh, uh, that can't proceed from one universe to the other. Don't pay attention to us. None of us are cosmologists but there is a show to understand this and David is absolutely right. Um, It is not the case that cosmology has been properly represented in the sense uh, that if one universe proceeded from another, that's not possible in some infinite regress sense. Go listen to that episode over on proscenium. It is dealt with in a professional way.
6: Yeah, and if anyone wants to really dig deep into the subject, there's a YouTube channel called PBS Space Time and they go over a lot of the cosmology, and for um, none of the cosmolo- none of the popular cosmological uh, models at the moment have the philosophers nothing uh, before the universe. It's always some sort of uh, quantum vacuum these days.
1: Yeah, well, it's it, not really this, nothing, this, is it? I, This idea, yeah, well, this idea that this this is the only instantiation that couldn't have been anything before it is a particularly um, uh, generous cosmology that Christians like to use because it helps to support their theory. And they tend to want to be deaf to all other uh, cosmological theories. And I would just uh, echo uh, with uh, Darren and other listeners, if you care about the subject of cosmology, uh, it will not take very much research to realize that the Christian story is not uh the end all to the cosmological picture in fact it's uh, i don't even think it's the dominant
5: view so uh, do you guys not states. believe in an initial singularity
6: well there's a difference between the beginning uh, of the expansion of the universe and the beginning of the universe from nothing and when you get things like the uh board booth board board booth them the uh theorem Vilenkin, Guth, and I think Board as well all have said that the uh, BVG is evidence of the beginning of the expansion of the universe, not the beginning of the universe itself. So um, there is a difference between having a singularity that where there's nothing before it, and having a singularity that existed and then started to expand.
7: I think, the, and even the, the singularity the important...
6: is not the proper way to talk about it these days.
7: Right, and a singularity is not nothing. So if if we're going to uh, put a fine point on this somewhere. It should be that a singularity is not nothing.
0: Yeah, I don't know who you guys have been reading. Apparently, more than the guys on. you've been Absol- reading. Absolutely not. Uh, I, I study this stuff on a daily a basis. Just so you I know. study you stu- know. Well, that's why I go to Aaron Wall, and I go to people yeah. like uh, Sean Carroll, and I go to people like uh, Lawrence Krauss, even on, on some issues that I right. like. So if you're, if you're not familiar with Tyker. other cosmological so, I, mean, I, I really am. I really am. I, I know the difference between different cosmological models. I know the Carol Chin model. I know that Wire Grayton model, and all of them fail. And you know what? There's a huge oh, hold, 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 the cosmological argument. You said There's they a, all things. fail. They that's they are. No, I did really, not. I did it,
7: not. I said they, they all
0: all fail. Fail. I said they all argue I said they all argue with each other. Okay, and go back and
7: that, go back and listen and you use the word fail. I'm not I'm not okay, interested in okay, debating they, whether you use the word jump, fail they, or not. They, what I'm okay, interested what in I getting meant, you to do okay. is to defend the position
0: that what they I,
7: all don't work.
0: Yeah, well I mean if you guys want to interrupt and let me finish talking, then that would be fine. Uh, hey, I'm just uh, grilling you, dude. Yeah, that's not grilling. You're supposed to grill me after I speak. No, oh, I'll do that too. All these guys <laughs> argue with each other. And if you look at the dialogues on the boards on the uh, between Wall and Carol, you see these guys arguing all the time. Uh, it just Wall, means that there are a those, number of viable models. There's, uh, there's, there's. I don't think they're viable. I think that well, even I don't Sean Carroll. What, says so his you do think, think they all fail? I even Sean Carroll said his is not. They're not even close to finding the answer yet. So, I like Sean Carroll. I don't think Sean but, Carroll's God. Yeah, but he. What? Yeah, expert, what is that? All right. <laughs> Anyways, I, I wanna let's give let's give the Christians actually a chance to respond what, guys the what the it, Christians
1: so. are saying is there's only one way to look at this, and this is the this is the no, no that's story. not what we're saying. I'm not saying that this is the only that's way they their listeners, and it's not true. But David, so that's what you're assuming. I Let them I acknowledge their... that the Christian model is one model Christian model, Christian the, model the model that Christians the, like to use. Um, because because it's friendly to their position. I acknowledge that that's one model that's a possibility. But there are others that answer their questions. And what they should say, if they're being honest, is this is one possible model. There are other models. The, the, it is, it's still an open question, but well, they don't say that. Yeah, okay, okay it, so what it, we're it, saying is, I, oh,
5: I, exactly. I, I acknowledge that there are several, there's more than several, there's many models. There are some that have been largely put to bed. There are some that are still open to debate, but what we're not, we're not arguing for the Christian model. We're arguing for the standard model, the standard cosmological model. This is the, by and large, to my understanding, the current Um, most well-established by empirical evidence model of the universe. It's not The standard
7: model doesn't include that a mind did it. So that's that's not actually what you're arguing. You're,
5: You're right. The standard model does not say that a mind did it. The standard model says that the universe has a finite beginning that begins with a singularity.
6: Actually, oh, it says no. that the universe has a finite beginning to the expansion of the universe. That is correct. Right.
5: So what, what then was before? You, you can't have an infinite regress. Well, no, we're not. We're uh, not that's something
7: you would have to prove. That. Hold on, infinite regress is something that has to be proven. That's, uh, and even in the model that would be proposed by uh, a mind, uh, creating the universe. And, and I'm not going to use something as inflammatory as the Christian model, um, so not, not trying to uh, create some sort of uh, disenchantment with the conversation, but the, the idea that there must have been some mind to do it doesn't get away from the infinite regress problem.
6: Well, and you have to I, I first suspect, demonstrate, suspect, demonstrate that the infinite regress actually is a problem.
5: Yeah, I suspect that. Yeah, I, I, that's I, true, and, and, and I, I think, think we
6: can demonstrate one. that. I have yeah, yet I to mean, find any Christian able to demonstrate the infinite regress as an actual problem.
0: Okay. All right, well, let, let's let us let them respond to that. But guys, we're going to have to move on from the cosmological. So as soon as they do that, uh, David, I'll let you, as the Christians answer uh, after they answer, David, you uh, move on to the next question. I'm just sound that. good? Barry,
1: Barry, yeah. ask one of your questions uh, after after this one exchange that you're having now, since you've got the mic anyway. All
0: right, uh, Charles, since you you uh, started it, I'll let you lead out uh, and then uh, follow up. Everybody else follow up. I mean, say your last piece on the cosmological.
5: Okay, so I, I, I'm sorry. To be clear, what am I responding? There was a lot going on there. So what, <laughs> what, what is the 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 latest thing I'm supposed to respond to? Yeah, the the infinite. infinite yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The infinite regress, and so I'll I, let you guys conclude on the cosmology. If, if
5: I remember, it was there. There has not been a Christian to demonstrate the the impossibility, or with infinite, the possibility of an infinite regress. Yeah,
6: uh, that it's actually a problem.
5: That it's actually a problem, and in in relation only to. Uh, the beginning of or the I guess you would put it the initial inflation or the beginnings of universes
6: sure okay in relation to the cosmological argument how it's normally used there
5: right so and would these would these include a single timeline so the the problem I'll, so I'll just try to answer the problem that I have with an infinite regress is the fact that it is it is a a theory of an actual infinite number of things. So, and I don't think that it's possible to have an actual infinite number of things, which this would include. This is not a, a potential infinite. You're speaking about an actual infinite regress, right? Because we're talking about this universe that is here. And so if it's here now, then it's an actual thing and anything that came before it and before it and before it would be an actual infinite collection. And I I don't think that, I, well, I, th- I think it's been well-filled philosophically demonstrated that you can't have an actual infinite number of things, including beginnings of universes. That would be my response. And we're talking Hilbert's hotel and things like that.
1: Yeah. Um. So I'm willing to let uh, Darren just kind of wrap that up and go to the next question. We've got, to, we've got a lot to cover.
6: Yeah, I won't say too much on it because I don't, if we're just closing up, um,
1: yeah, it's not—it's not actually the most interesting conversation we're going
5: to have. Let you the last word. Sure.
6: Yeah. Uh, the the biggest problem is if you accept general relativity, then there is no infinite regress problem because there was no time t where the universe net didn't exist um, and then began to exist. So it's one of those things that you have to demonstrate that it's actually a problem, and things like the Hilbert hotel don't actually demonstrate that it's a problem because. The Hilbert Hotel isn't accurately reflecting what an actual infinite would be, so um or how you interact with one, but anyways, the so you want me to go to my uh yes. my question all right yeah um okay, so I guess I'll just i don't know if I've got these in the right order, and just for the Christians that are listening, um I don't really care about opinions or um, how you feel or what you believe or anything like that. I'm really more interested in what you can actually demonstrate to be true. So just keep that in mind when you're I
5: like that. I actually like that.
6: Uh, yeah, just keep that in mind while you're, uh, when you're composing your responses, (laughs) um, if I so, if I ask someone to demonstrate that electri- electricity is a real thing, they can produce it, and I can touch it and verify it as real. If I ask someone to demonstrate that dark energy is real, even though we don't know what it is or how it works, we can point to the physical results of it affecting the universe. For example, we can do the distance measurements. We can measure the large scale wave patterns of mass density of the universe, um, et cetera. Maybe that it's uh, some has something to do with uh, gravity, an unknown aspect of gravity we don't know, but we know it exists because it's actually affecting the universe and we can measure that. Dark matter is sort of the same way. We don't really know what it is, but if I ask someone to demonstrate it, they can point to real physical results that exist in the universe. We can weigh the universe, we can observe gravitational lensing, we can observe the cosmic microwave background, and all of this demonstrates that whatever dark matter is, it's a real thing and it actually exists. So how do you demonstrate that the soul is a real thing?
5: So your question was, uh, I I like the idea of this comparison to dark matter. So although we can't directly observe dark matter, we can observe its effect on things?
6: Yeah, we can measure its effects on things.
5: Sure, measure. um, And we
6: know that it's actually something that we don't know what's going on. So how do we demonstrate that the soul is a real thing?
4: I don't think we would demonst- We would approach the demonstration precisely the same way we would try to demonstrate uh, something physical about the universe. Uh, it's rational to want a demonstration of some sort, but it's going to be more along rationalist lines, probably, even though it Will also refer to experience, um, not sensory experience. That's sort of a preamble, getting warmed up. <laughs> Somebody I understand. Up I had there. to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. So that's, I, mean, I liked. I really liked your dark matter um, example of what you're looking for.
6: And that's just an example. If you have sure. some other, no, sure. to- no I'd like
4: to. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not sure that a uh, demonstration of mind, which I'll say that instead of soul, uh, would be, could be exactly parallel to that sort of demonstration because uh, by its mind we mean something non-physical, right? right. But uh, probably experiential. I think it's probably why. Uh, yes. You started out saying I don't care about what you <laughs> feel. Um, that makes me want to distinguish between mere emotive reaction, feeling in that sense.
6: Right, but versus, we know what feelings are, right? Yeah, versus... chemical. are yeah, chemical brain. processes in the brain, so we know what those okay. are.
4: Okay, um, well, they, they may accompany those one way or the other, um, right? So
5: um, um, the, the interesting thing here is I think by... By definition, when we talk about spirit or mind, we're, well, you guys probably disagree with nine, but you, I think you said spirit. Uh, so right? I said
6: soul. OK, um, if you want to conflate that with spirit and mind, that's fine. No, that's, but... that's,
5: that's cool. I like soul, soul is good. <coughs> I think by definition, when we talk about a soul, we're talking about something that's non-physical. And, and so I'm wondering if this is a category problem. So you're asking for it seems like you're asking for empirical physical evidence for something that's non-physical. And not then really. you okay. Help no, because
6: on. um I mean for example in your in your um estimation what does a soul do? What is a soul? Well, if you can't give it
5: The soul is the essence of mind or person.
6: Okay, so what does it do?
5: I I think it's who I am.
6: uh I, can you I, expand on that a little bit.
5: <laughs> that, maybe not actually.
6: So um, What does it do? Does it it affect our feelings? Does it uh, allow us to uh, have thoughts that, um, you know, cognitive ability? What does it do? Memories?
5: I I think that the soul is the essence of personhood and mind, and that what is, so (coughs) of course Christians are dualists, so we believe in the physical body and also the soul or spirit and those things are in combination with each other. And so I and I, I I understand your position, I I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, which is everything that we feel or experience and our thoughts are can all be attributed to some type of physical environment in like our actual brain, like chemicals and stuff like that. And
6: I think we well, don't need to get ahead of ourselves too much. I'm still trying to figure out what is it what does a soul do? It, does it. Store memories. Does it uh, affect our actions? Is it, does it hold our personality? What exactly are we talking about when we say soul? Or yeah, when, you t- when you say soul. Well,
5: I'll, I'll let the other people chime in, but I, I, I think I'm going to stick with my answer that it's it's the essence of my personhood. It's it's my 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 I guess personality, thoughts, being.
6: So it it affects your actions, right?
5: Sure. Absolutely.
6: So um, with the when we have the body Uh, because we know the body is an electrochemical machine, right? Uh, In order to move your arm, you you have to have electrical chemicals come from your brain, uh, down your arm, and uh, you move all your stuff that way, right? Um, So, knowing that the body is an electrochemical machine, then if you've got a soul that's uh, telling the body to do something, then we have to have electricity or chemicals
5: yeah uh,
6: so. coming from the soul in order to tell the body what to do right yeah.
5: so metaphors are always suspect, but the the best I can come up with a metaphor to kind of answer what you're going towards is is uh a person playing a piano, so if we visualize the the person as the soul in this metaphor and the piano as the body, the soul is the the primary impetus for action as we talk about right but
6: but, but even but in if, that metaphor, you've got a person hitting down the keys on the piano, right?
5: Right, so what, what if the piano is untuned or some of the keys are broken? And so uh, we can certainly measure the, you know, the, the action of the piano keys being pushed and, and they're making the sound. Uh, we just think there's something before that that is causing that or that can interrupt that flow. So if someone right. has so, physical handicaps. So if, we're gonna
6: take, so if we're gonna take that as a hypothesis, then what would we expect to see in the body if a soul actually existed?
4: I don't think we expect to see anything in a body.
6: Uh, in terms well, the, of the, the soul. soul's interacting with the body, right?
4: Sure. Okay. Interaction. Yeah.
6: So you have to have some sort of transition point from the soul to the body at some point, right? There's got to be some sort of translation between the whatever you're calling the non-material and the material, right?
4: Yeah, the old dualistic interaction problem, right? What's right. So, the, so what, what,
6: if under your hypothesis of the soul, what would we expect to actually see in the body? Just off the top of my head, I, I would think we would, uh, we would see electricity and chemicals coming, uh, coming into existence out of what we would think of as nothing, right?
4: I don't see how that follows.
6: Well, because the soul has to communicate with the body, right? And the, body <laughs> only, the only language the body knows is chemicals and electricity.
4: I think the communication would be different than the causation of the emergence of electricity or chemicals on occasions. I yeah, I don't. It. I
6: have no clue how you get there, because if if you were going to move your arm, and it's the soul that's the beginning of the impetus to move your arm, the the whatever impetus of the soul has to be converted into electricity at some point to get to move the arm. So there has Can to be a transition ask On there what
7: occasions? So you said on occasion. It would be, can I ask on what occasions, since it seems like oh, I just you, meant it, you in, created in, two categories, one where there no, no, wouldn't no, be an I occasion mean, more
4: than I meant instance, in, at each instance. Ah, I'm fair sorry.
1: enough. No, no, it's, it's fair enough. Uh, let me, let me, let me uh, move it along to um, uh, Matthew, who is hiding or sleeping. Um, Matthew, you have been around as long as Darren when we've had Dale uh, talk about this. I, I bet you probably listened to some of Dale's um, a while ago. But yes, I did stop on this. Shout out to Dale uh, Glover, is my former SNS uh, partner. He's now gone full academic, uh, but he has done a lot of work uh, on the whole mind-body interaction problem. And so, <clears throat> I, I just, in all fairness, I would say that uh well the three uh, gentlemen here may be having some trouble putting that uh, into words it's a, it's a tough problem there are ways to talk about it i don't know them i mean i've listened to Dale too i can't repeat back his thoughts um in this way his thoughts are higher than my thoughts uh but just just being uh as generous as i can there are uh, ways to answer this sort of that i don't fully understand so matthew uh it, having having uh, walked through that swamp a little bit. Maybe, uh, maybe you can ask uh, Darren's question or follow up in a, in a slightly different way, so that we can elicit maybe a different response. Because it, it sounds got like we're way. just kind of stuck there.
8: Yeah, I have got a different way of asking uh, the same question, but it, just to set the scene, I'm. I largely agree with with Darren. Darren's not said anything that I so, I quibble with at all. Yeah, talk. so do I. So do um, I. I don't. <laughs> I
1: I have had this com- same conversation with Dale. And uh, the difference is, Dale has said many academic things, but I just keep going back to the same things because it doesn't make any sense to me.
8: I I, I couldn't. I was unable to boil out anything that I could hold on to from from the, the the things that Dale said. But the the way I would I th- think to try to add clarity, my question on the same thing would be: We have under naturalism explanations for everything that we that makes us human and it's it's in the brain whether it's genetics whether it's chemical reaction or combination of the two it's explained one way or another from whether we like tomatoes to what our favorite movie is to whether we like sports or whether we prefer for motorsports that that kind of thing we can we can work that out and ditto with with memories so if we can do that but as you guys are suggesting there is something else that is which is encapsulated in, let's call it a soul. But I think Darren touched on that. What is it that's stored in the soul? Because at the moment we've got a whole load of human explanations, which are entirely within the brain. So if we've got it all entirely within the brain, why is it necessary? What extra does a soul add? Because it seems to me that positing a soul on top of that adds an extra layer of unnecessary complication. And if I can't tell the difference between me without a soul and me with a soul, then what's the point in saying there's a soul? Because it it adds murkiness, which is unnecessary, if that makes any sense. It's kind of an Occam's razor type of issue. Hold on, guys.
0: Let me do what David Johnson did about the sleeping Matthew. And... Get the sleepy Caleb over here to uh, – my homie over here to answer to – give his thoughts on this. I see him stewing over there, and I'm like, I know he wants to say something, but we keep cutting them short. So go ahead, Dave. Uh, Caleb, go ahead.
3: Yeah, so uh, Charles and, and Kevin are really more experienced in, in this area of thought than I am. But offhand, I would say that what is added is when we look at human beings – we have everything we can see, but we know that there are aspects of human beings that go far beyond what we can see. So if if somebody else was controlling your wife's body, it's, it's clearly not her. If we had a way to, to make robots out of people, we would know that there is a difference because a person is a combination of their experiences, their memories, uh, the way they handle any given situation is different than you or I would. So I think from our observations and interactions with people, we we can tell that there are non-physical aspects to people. And if that's the case, um, in reality, regardless of... Uh, our kind of discussion here, we would expect there to be examples within reality where there is is possibly a disconnect between the soul and the body. And and just to pull in one example here of that um, is is near death experiences. Exactly. You could write them off as hallucinations, but there are some with empirically verifiable facts we have accounts of near-death experiences where people learned information that otherwise they wouldn't be able to know. So it shows a disconnect between the soul and the body. I'm not sure that that really answers your question, Matthew, but that's that's kind of some of my thought process on this conversation right now.
0: And let's get, uh, you know, Charles, you want to take it from there and uh no I actually
5: I'm really glad Caleb brought up the NDE because that was going to be one of my final points because he did ask for some type of empirical evidence and I I think that's at least an interesting route to go to maybe start to answer that um and then as I've been thinking about this question uh what is the soul I maybe a better answer is uh our consciousness and so I, I think that both uh on the physical materialistic side no one really knows what the consciousness is so i i think there's a problem on that side as well so i i don't know that would be a good question uh what what is consciousness if it's not the soul
1: so let me uh i think i'm probably the only one who hasn't weighed in on this uh yet besides you russell right i I, I just
0: wanted to follow up real quick uh david before you actually weigh in because i do want to address darren's point where is the transfer and when would we see it I mean that's a good question I think we should be able to explore a little deeply um, where do you think that comes in at is it was I get you right there Darren on that
6: well yeah I mean that's the if because my question was how do you demonstrate that the soul is a real thing yeah. and so if you're going to I mean it seems like the easiest way to do that would be to find where the soul interacts with the the body and say hey look there's these chemicals and electricity that are coming from what we can tell is absolutely nothing, breaking the second law of thermodynamics. You know, that would be, I mean, that would be incredible if we found something like that, right? Uh, that would be like proof positive that there's something going on there that we don't really know what's what's going on. And if it's just popping out into existence out of nowhere, then we know that there exists something there that's actually yeah. controlling so our process. Kind of like.
0: Yeah, just like to put it simply, because I I think, you know, we look at it in a a very deep light. Uh, Where's that uh, interface, so to speak? You know, where's the interface come in at? You know, because right. And if we don't find an interface,
6: interface, isn't that evidence that there is no soul?
5: (laughs) That there's no physical interface is what you're wanting to know.
6: Well, the body only talks physical. So,
8: so let me if you want
6: the soul to tell your arm to move. And your your arm only moves because of uh, physical, electrical, chemicals. Then the the soul has to talk physical at some point. Okay.
1: So this this is question two. We have we have
5: many. Even <laughs> this isn't the most interesting.
1: <laughs> can, can I at least get a uh, but, shout out
5: from Darren yeah. to say that we didn't answer this with the word feelings in there? <laughs>
6: so yeah, so sure. I, I. Am I, I frozen, just, or I, is everyone else frozen? I do just want to throw in um,
1: one one point there. And I don't, I don't mind if someone responds to it. I don't want to be the guy who comes in and, you know, just drops I, a load and then moves I, on. Um, so, if if you could add this to whatever response you're going to conclude with, um, NDEs are problematic uh, both theologically and physically. Uh, theologically, it we're told that uh, it is appointed and man wants to die and after this judgment. Uh and death in the Bible is near death experience, as, not death experience. Excuse me. Death in the Bible is des- described as the soul parting the body. Uh, and so if you say, well, in an NDE, the soul is part of the body, then that's not near death at all. That's death, uh, biblically speaking. Theologically, that doesn't work. Um, but physiologically, it's also problematic because if you say that Uh, With some of these experiments, you know, the the soul could, the person has this feeling of leaving their body and then they can look down and see themselves and they can see, you know, playing cards and, you know, above lights and they can float around and, um, you know, go to different buildings and look at the windows, these sorts of things. And what you're saying is the soul has eyes, uh, which would be physical light sensors, (laughs) picking up light. Uh, And it has... um, uh, the ability to interact with things. You're, you're ascribing a kind of a physicality to a thing that is supposedly non-physical. So if a soul can do all that, then we should be able to detect it. in, it, uh, it, NDEs don't work as a solution for the soul on any level. Okay. And That's so a lot to point out. There. That NDEs
7: wow. have been studied. Um, we we did some formal studies of NDEs, uh, particularly in the UK. Um, this was uh, Matthew. You might remember this better than I do, but. Uh, uh, this was actually done in ERs and, and operating rooms where uh, people might die on the table and they uh, took a card and put it up on a high shelf where it wasn't visible from the floor, and, but it it was visible from the perspective of someone who should be floating outside their body. And there, there, was, there was no result in which an out-of-death experience produced anyone being able to say what was on those cards. And if that doesn't trouble you about NDEs, it
0: should. Uh, that, yeah, let's, that let's, let the yeah let's, let's let the Christians – yeah, let's let the Christians – should. Respond. I'll, 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 I'll uh, save my other So, so for that, so for that so, I mean we've got not... – uh, we do actually have it in the opposite too, Andrew, but I do want to give the Christians a chance to answer it and kind of wrap it up on, on their end. Uh, so so, I want to start maybe, with – I yeah. want to start – I know there's so many questions there. It's a theological problem, so forth. So it, uh, yeah. Fe, let's let FedEx answer since he's
4: still in his FedEx uniform. I hope I can deliver, yeah. Um, Right, Uh, let me back up just a little bit. A lot has been covered. So uh, first of all, I'm not satisfied with reducing um, all of our experiences to chemistry and electricity, which are are and have physical properties. I'm wondering if the skeptical position is that <clears throat> there there aren't actually thoughts or, um, of course, where I'm going with is rationality, uh, but I don't know where to so many things on the table here. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to ever reduce rationality to uh, physical properties that have dimension, take space, mass and so forth. Um, And if we don't, and if everything does reduce simply to that, then we don't have any basis for claiming rationality. Uh, Maybe we'll get into that later. Uh, As for NDEs, I'm not sure why they're a a physical problem. Um, Earlier, we were asked to show the soul. We were asked to expect that the soul should have an interface with the physical world. But then uh, David says that if uh, that that itself is a problem, not sure not sure why if the soul exists, it would have this capacity to interface
1: if it if it exists in the way that people talk about and it has eyes and it can oh. uh, move around and things like that, it has physical properties that we should be able to see, so you can't you. You cannot explain then how this non-physical thing can see things and hear things. Um, yes, we can. You know, so that's, that, is, that is the physical problem that you're compiling
5: on a soul. Okay, so we're, we're already taking the position where we believe that the physical body, in some way that uh, admittedly we haven't described yet, is interfacing with the soul. So there's information being passed. So if my eyes see something, yes, it's my eyes that are physically perceiving the light that's entering my eyeballs. and and transmitting electrical signals, but somehow that's getting back to my soul and it's my soul, my consciousness, that's making decisions. So if the okay, soul was attached to the body- If the soul body, is hovering
1: over a hospital bed, I'm perceive. sorry, it, and you're seeing yourself, the, the only eyes are in the you that's unconscious on the bed. Right, so saying that are you saying, my saying my that the eyes are communicating remote control to the soul no. and then- the, no, Okay, then it, you're, then it makes no sense. I, I it, it is a physical it's, problem. A it's, it's logically incoherent.
5: You're saying that there's an assumption there that the only way that a consciousness could perceive things that exist in the world would be through some physical thing. And we're talking about a non physical spirit who could perceive things non physically. Well, if it can see
1: physical things, then it is receiving life. Perceive, perceive. I didn't no, say that, see. I said
4: that's perceive. It. You're begging the question, David
1: i i'm i'm begging for something coherent
4: <laughs> you you said that it's if it a little, can see it um, requires uh physical apparatus but that that assumes naturalism that's what yeah, we're, that's what we're talking about within, well,
7: but but actually aren't you just how being how asked to demonstrate that there is something non-physical or, yeah. aren't you just
5: being and, asked and you're going to only demonstrate accept physical that there's... demonstrations it's like Show to us. What, what, hold
7: on, hold what on, on ask, hold, hold on, on. Yeah,
1: hold on. That's, that's not actually. Look, so, this, is, this have, is your example.
7: Wait a minute. I'm not, I have made absolutely zero claim in this part of the conversation that only the physical exists. Okay. What you're being okay. asked to do, what you're being asked to do, quite plainly is to demonstrate that the non-physical exists in the same way that the physical does. Now, now, maybe you'd say, well, I don't accept that the physical exists. Okay, well, we don't really have a starting point then. But you do accept that the physical exists, at least I presume that you do, sorry if that's a misstatement of your position. But in a, in, the, in a similar way, you're being asked to demonstrate that we should accept the non-physical in the way that you accept the physical. That doesn't seem to be uh, some sort of apparition in conversation. That seems to be quite a reasonable
1: request.
4: Yeah, we, I think we got derailed a lot from the original question, and I agree with you. It's it's reasonable to ask. Well,
1: if you'd like that. to remove the NDE off the table, you know, <laughs> you can get back to the original question because
4: that, to hire up in the
1: room. Utter, that's that's utter nonsense, and you're you're just kind of floating some initials out there. Uh, this, this near-death idea, as if that explained something. And when you when you take it apart and look at what it is supposed to explain, it just ends up being utter incoherent nonsense. I don't believe that. And, I'm, and I'm calling it out for that.
0: Uh, you're okay, stating well, let it, let but
4: them, not Let them answer it. Let them yeah. answer it. Do you want yeah. us to take it off the table or answer your, your claim that it's incoherent nonsense?
1: Yeah, but, well, look, it, it's just, on the table. You can either... Uh, answer the claim, or just say you can't answer the claim. We can take it off and, and look at well, some of the Well, I do
6: other have ads. a, I do have a question later on that deals more along yeah. with the non-material supernatural. So if we want to put a pin in it and wait okay. until that question. All
4: right. Well, let me let, let me go back to the original. Very briefly, I, I would say generally the Christian view is uh, our inner experiences, which aren't aren't the same thing as feelings, suggest that we. Or have a rational sense and a moral sense that's really broad, but that's, that's just a starting point for our discussion, if you will, that gets closer to your original question. So it's, it's, it's empirical in that it's experience. However, it's inner experience, unless we're talking about minds relating to other minds, which makes it more objective. And that's a very rough, uh, starting point answer to, uh, why, why Christians believe something like that.
6: Right, but aren't you begging the question at that point? Because you're assuming that the, the soul is a real thing and this mind points to it. So how do you demonstrate that that supposition you're making initially, that the, that no. the mind points to it, is actually pointing to a soul? I'm sorry. Just, uh,
1: to, just to piggyback on what Darren said there, my, well, my other question was going to be, isn't this just a case that the Bible said so? So you have to believe there's a soul, and so you're working from there to come up with some philosophical structure to support uh, I'm not, that? I'm
4: not sure our personal um, motives may or may not be on either side here, but let's just go back well, to. It's not really
1: personal motives that yeah, I'm asking well, about, so much as well. Look, let me let me get this out. All it's right. not as much personal motives. I'm not impugning motives. Uh, my thought is that. If you don't have the Bible saying that uh, you have a soul, uh, we don't seem to have in science or other means something saying that we have that. You, you kind of need that presupposition uh, to get it going. Otherwise, you would be able to explain, well, in the experiment of 1862, uh, you know, they found blank and we started asking, well, what could that possibly be? But that's not that's not how we're answering the question.
4: Well, I would answer the question uh, differently than you suggest I would. And that is the the notion of uh, non-material soul is a very ancient philosophical concept and uh, uh, argued for by people who didn't even know what a Bible was, you know, platonic or pre-Socratic even. So I I just don't like that you're assuming that no one could rationally conceive of and Defend the notion of immaterial selfhood. Of I, I will
1: grant. I will grant that that was a, okay. that was a sloppy uh, suggestion on my part. If I cleaned it up a little bit, I would say that it seems religiously uh, motivated as opposed to empirically motivated. Once uh, once so again. yes, it's it has yeah. been around in philosophy for a long time, but so has belief in uh, any number of gods and animism and that sort of thing. So.
8: Which I'm, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to
1: get you to explain the soul. I think the, where the, the heart of the question is, is to explain the soul without uh, regress to that type of animistic thinking uh, and explain in the way that you would explain to a scientist or a doctor uh, why they should believe that there is a soul. And, and, and that's, that's the answer that I'm just not hearing from anyone on the panel.
6: Yeah, and if you want to, if you, it's fine that you want to, if you want to say that a lot of people used to believe it, but my question was, how do you demonstrate the soul is a real thing? And I don't think pointing to a lot of people who believe it actually demonstrates that what they're believing is accurate. Sure.
4: I I went there because I thought the objection was that only uh, Bible believers would come up with an idea. So uh, on the other hand, um, Going back to to Plato or so forth, um, Aristotle, this idea of something immaterial about ourselves and even about other reality outside of ourselves um, seems to have a a rational lineage. And I'm not sure how the arguments are much worse, even if we know more about neurobiology uh, now, which is just to say we know more about the body now than before. So as Plato argues for the concept of justice being a real thing, not just uh, our experiences of instances of things that we think are just. Uh, so, and that's sort of rationalist uh, lineage that sh- also takes on empirical form with Aristotle. It's not completely, uh, well, I don't think it's religious at all at that point.
1: Well, neither is Chi. I can add be better. But it's guys, it's the same time kind of thing.
0: Yeah, but can we get can we get all the Christians to respond here before we jump in? Uh, cause, cause, okay, I mean, and, because because mean this taking a lot of time. Is, so When this is done, I want to give them the last uh, word, on this I wanna, word.
1: I want I'm just going to call out Matthew as the um, next question, and maybe if we do it quicker, we can go through a whole round of questions. After Matthew, I want to put one out from um, Brian. So that's that's okay. the order of the next couple. of
0: So questions. you guys. Uh, Christians, you got the last word on this one. So, Charles, is there anything else you want to say?
5: Well, I think if you're looking for actual demonstrations then or evidence, I, I'm i still going to bring the NDEs back on the table. I think it's still a good argument. I I don't have a problem with some uh, experiment or whatever that was done where they placed a card on top of a table. It's just because it didn't happen then does not necessarily mean that it didn't happen in other instances. That's, that seems like a non sequ- sequitur to me. So, uh, and I think there is positive, I mean, the, the evidence for NDEs does seem to be fairly convincing. We have instances where people have learned and known things, wh- whatever else you might have an objective to theologically, which I, I don't think we have time to answer, but I, I do think there's an answer to that. But if people can learn things, that they couldn't have otherwise learned, and this has been documented and demonstrated, like, the soul seems like the best rational answer to that.
3: Yeah, my, my final response here would be a, a question, in essence, so don't feel like you have to answer, but the question to people in this situation would be, do you believe that any individual you interact with, whether it be your wife, your mother, your children, are merely and exclusively only the chemical, mechanical uh, behaviors within their body? Is that all that makes them up, and is that the, the only thing that can possibly uh, be within a given individual? That's, that's the question I would leave people with.
1: I yeah. think David, the facile. Like yeah, but okay. Yeah, uh, but
7: I, merely. I can I can oh, I just yeah. say merely, exclusively, only chemical, physical. Um, when you when you say chemical and physical, and then you try to combine that with merely, exclusively, only, you are suggesting that there is uh, that that uh, physical and chemical processes are somehow incredibly simple by tagging them with merely exclusively only? Maybe that wasn't what you were trying to do, but it, it rings very false
1: to no, me. It, he, he believes that there has to be something more. There just has to be. Can't you feel it? Can't you feel that there uh, must be something
5: I more? never said feeling. I <laughs> <We> never <laughs> said that. You, had, <laughs> just, For the record, you were the <laughs> first one to say that, and it's a false <laughs> oh. accusation.
8: <laughs> okay, not. so do you mind so, if I, does that mean you'll you mind if I wrap up round, my question David's. real quick?
0: <laughs> well, we already uh, got the Final yeah, we, response
8: there. Yeah, so. we're gonna
1: we're gonna have to go on to Matt uh, here. Um, yeah. We'll we'll get another round of questions. Uh, consider this a practice round. We'll do better the next time, Matt.
8: <laughs> oh, comes every question so far has gone. Oh, I need to do a full show on this. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so, right?
1: Maybe we should. Maybe we should document well, this down. We, uh, we should. I, look, I I wouldn't mind having this session once a month. So. <laughs>
8: I'm I'm game for that, but if this goes on for too long, I'm gonna to have to go downstairs and grab my evening meal and uh, eat in front of you. <laughs> um, but um, Andrew plugged our Proscenium podcast in the last one, and we've also done a Proscenium podcast on consciousness with the wonderful Professor Philip Goff. So um, go and listen. To that. And I also want to say congratulations on answering that question. And nobody dropped the free will bomb. So that's <laughs> that one too. Right. Okay. So so my question. I've got. Young. I've got several. <laughs> <laughs> i've got several questions built in it's, it's on miracles my question um, i've written several sentences here and there's several questions in there so i'll read it through and if you want to break it down afterwards then by all means pick out what's most interesting to you. yeah um so many christians accept and believe that, that that god performs miracles today some even have examples that they can point to as such a miracle Yet those very same Christians tend to be reluctant to test their God's miracle ability in a controlled environment. Why is that? And if you are a Christian who believes in miracles today, would you be prepared to put your belief to a test in a controlled environment? And then finally, even if you don't believe in miracles today, do you believe that the miracles in the gospel happened as described and why?
5: Wow, that's a that's a large question, Matthew. Yeah, I,
8: I acknowledge that. I acknowledge <laughs> it's that. It'd be a miracle if we can get through it. And <laughs> it's a good. Start. Uh,
1: we, we did a miracle show on SNS. That was I. I want to say seven parts. Um, wow. So we're gonna we're gonna run through oh, this in fifteen minutes
5: and go for it. Um, okay. Well, that's that's a big one. Is there is there one you want
8: us to hit first? Um, subpart A. Pick, subpart B. What a. you want. Yeah, yeah. Whichever, whichever tickles you the yeah. the most is what I, I'm I, happy well, I'll with. I'll
5: start off just uh, because I'm the the loudmouth here. Um, uh, let me take the one where he said, "Would I be willing to test in a controlled environment?" And my answer to that is actually uh, no. Um, I th- I think that comes along the line. If you look at the gospel accounts of Jesus being tempted, one of the temptations was, "Throw yourself off of the building because his angels will catch you," and the answer to that was, you shall not put your Lord God to the test. So it's, I, I think there's other answers that kind of come in. To me, it would be a sin to try to do that. It's like I'm, I'm not going to test God because I'm told not to. Does He still perform That's miracles? Convenient. Yes. It's, yeah. Well, is it convenient or is it commanded? And I, well, there's a special place for miracles. But yeah, I'll I'm let gonna, someone else jump I'm in. I'm going
3: to jump in right there, Charles, because I think part of it is. There's a misunderstanding of what a Christian view of miracles are. It is not simply a genie-in-the-bottle type thing of of God does this to help this person or that. It's also a divine act of communication. So the miracles we see within the Bible, and I think if you look at modern examples of miracles as well— you see a lot of them occur in parts of the world where Christianity hasn't spread yet. It's, it's a divine act of communication that is not merely for the uh, actual miracle that occurs, but they have a purpose in communicating from the divine.
1: Well, okay, if I could follow up with Matthew's question uh, just to... Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a piece that you can springboard to some of those other aspects. Is there a way to determine after the fact that something was actually a miracle? So if you say you can't put him to the test and then have him do a miracle, can you look at an event and say
5: 100% certain that he did a miracle? We're gonna really going to need to make sure we're talking about the difference between miracles and providence before we answer that. Well, whatever
1: you think miracle is, can you can you answer that question? I I don't want to get too involved in definitions. We did a whole show for about two hours, and we still couldn't define it. So, that said, whatever you think a miracle is, can you answer that question? Can you uh, positively, hundred percent, identify a miracle after the
4: fact? Um, could what, I could fine tune that just just a little bit? I- Sure.
1: In the the statement that I'm responding to, he said that miracles often take place in other countries. So I I assume that you believe that miracles are happening and that you would be able to identify events that were miracles. If you you can't, then I don't understand what you mean.
4: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, What I meant was... um... Well, I had it there. Now it's gone.
5: Well, I got it. Well, while he's thinking about <laughs> I that, that. I that But your your so. standard. So your standard was one hundred percent, and then you added some oh, more yeah, adjectives yeah, yeah. there. Like, right. Yeah. Can we not just, just say that there's there's a more rational uh, reason to believe that it was a miracle than that there wasn't the predominance of the evidence? Why does it have to be one hundred percent to your standard?
1: Well, because you because you just said with extreme confidence that it happened, and so when when I go back, if you you know if if you say. Um, my grandmother was healed from cancer and it's a miracle, praise God. Well, you've just praised God for a thing. You're declaring uh, a great deal of certainty that God did something. So if I ask you, okay, can you, can you say 100% that God did it? Can you, can you point that out to me and show me uh, in a way that I could believe it that that's a miracle? You either can or you can't. And if you can't, then I'm not entirely sure
5: on what basis you call it a miracle other than emotion. How about at least this methodology for trying to make that determination, which is when we look at an event that happened, that we see that there seems to be more evidence that it happened non-naturally. How do you conclude that? I think
4: the key word Keyword is able uh, to
5: do and what it's not, and so if, if that, it
4: seems that, like seems, something-
7: that seems like a... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to run over you. There no, was go a, ahead. A slight delay. No, I, look, I really don't want to run over you. I did that, right. at Russell, earlier. From, from my part,
1: it's on. you can't you can't call down a miracle, um down. Bef- before it happens, and you can't identify mm-hmm. one after it happens. But you're willing to stake your reputation that it happens. Oh, I'm, and, I'm not saying we can't me, identify. So, it seems to me that when a skeptic. Um, Asks a Christian more details about a miracle. You can't you can't get one to happen, and you can't identify one that has happened. But somehow it just happens, and we can't we can't sure. talk about it more specifically than that.
0: Can we let the Christian answer that? Yeah, I,
1: I just want to <laughs> understand what I'm saying. Say, hey. I understand
4: right. now. I understand the dilemma that you propose. It's very helpful actually that you stated it out on both ends. So let me back up and only speak for myself because I'm not exactly. Sure, what my friends would would say about <clears throat> miracles now, um, I'm actually generally highly skeptical of modern day miracle claims. Yep. all right, let me just I'll just put that out. I might have to talk about this for just a minute so you understand where I'm coming from, and then I'm not sure how it'll fit ultimately uh, i'm I'm very reluctant um, to Immediately give credence to modern day miracle claims um, by by Christians uh, that's probably partly related to my uh, repulsion to most of Western American Christian televangelism and miracle healing crusade type prosperity pimps. Uh, now we might get on a whole new topic there. <laughs> We can so, agreement everyone uh, here. I, well, we want to actually here. have one thing that most of us would agree on that most of these guys are <laughs> fraudulent uh religious. Well, I think we'd say them, okay. But, you okay. Know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're trying to make a connection here, Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm um,
7: sorry. I feel the um, mental uh, connection.
4: I okay a little uh, bit. Andrew, that you're my I get to be a jerk, so but uh okay. Let me continue. So um I and I also will also give you guys even more than you asked for. Maybe. Um, a, a lot of healing experiences are very likely psychosomatic. Um, we do more, know more about that sort of mind-body interaction, if you will. I'll allow that phrase than, than in the past. Uh, that with magnetic, speaker, you know uh, charismatic speakers and all, all these sorts of things account, probably accounts for a lot. Uh, I just want to let you know where I was coming from. I'm not, you know, the miracle, modern day miracle guy. Um, I appreciate that. Okay. Um, So from there, uh, you say we can't call them down. I agree with you. I'll give you that also because in in my theological framework, um, we don't don't call down miracles. I, I don't see that happening in the, biblically generally either that this is god's sovereign choice uh caleb spoke to a little bit about what some of the purpose of that may often be so you're right i i can't and uh, wouldn't like for someone else to claim that they could call down a miracle now yeah. Yeah. Uh, f- f- as far as that goes after the fact um yeah, it's then just gonna move into probability. And the problem with that is, you know, the most likely explanation. But the problem with that is your one phrase, can you demonstrate it to my satisfaction? Different worldview framework is gonna change what you expect out of probability, plausibility, and alternate explanations. So uh
1: mm-hmm. I could clarify that too. Okay. I don't mind. I don't mind the probability thing so much, but I think that I might be echoing Darren's thoughts here a little bit when I say, whenever it comes to these miracle claims and I've looked into many, uh, so I'm, uh, I was a Christian for most, most of my life. So, uh, and, and a preacher for most of that. So, uh, this is, this is not unfamiliar stuff to me. Hey, uh, that said, so there were, with all of these claims, pretty much all of them, there's always some body of evidence that we don't have. Uh, and so it's there's a lot of, you know, we can take the word and maybe they can show some documentation for some parts of the story. But there's always a, some holes. And when those things get thoroughly investigated, there's there's always some more, some more stuff. Uh, that comes out that makes it okay. Maybe that wasn't quite the miracle we thought it was. So we we are always dealing with very incomplete investigations when we're investigating things that happened in the past. And the further in the past we go, the harder it is to investigate. But I just, I simply have no reason to believe that uh, it was investigated any better then by people with fewer tools than we're able to investigate today. And and we still can't investigate today uh, to bring forth Uh, all of the evidence that it would take to say, okay, that that's clearly a supernatural event. So that's, that's what I mean by that. So I I do believe in probability and things like that when we have uh, all, or at least a lot of more of the information than we generally do with Miracle.
4: There is a newer collection, and I'm not sure if uh, any of any of you guys are familiar with Craig Keeners. He was, he was on the show. Uh, oh, Greg Keeners, uh, big uh, book. of. So not, of you're, you're, read, read both
7: you're, volumes, volume one and volume okay.
4: two. Okay. So you're including that in what's yes. yeah, not not uh, persuasive to you. Okay.
1: Yes. Well, I, I could, uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've read some follow-up on some of the stories from that too. And, uh, you know, I've had extensive discussions with, uh, once again, I invoke the name Dale here, uh, who uh, is also very studious in this area. And I, I think that You know, as as you talk about some of the instances in particular, and you uh, look at some of the uh, other information that's come out and some of the mitigating factor, it's you can you can shed doubt on even those stories because there's just information that those stories don't include and that can be investigated, and we we just learn more that makes it all a little bit uh, more doubtful. I, I won't say. I need
7: to ask a question there, Dave. It's really important to me here. If, sure. if Keener's work, uh, both volumes, if, if Keener's work is uh, a work that is, from the Christian perspective, a legitimate study, not on the, the probability of prayer or, or the likelihood of miracles, but, but a convincing case, an, an actual study of what it means to have modern miracles. If, if, this, is a, if this is a convincing case for Christians, then why would you argue against a more formal study where we ask for God to uh, do whatever it is that God does to break the laws of reality? Because a person that asks for God, and in some testing sense, to break the laws of reality on their behalf, it, it's, it's, it doesn't mean that they don't actually need the thing done. So so it's not as if when God intervenes for someone because they really need it, that is somehow in conflict with the idea that someone says, God, I can't believe unless you do this. And if God sees those things as mutually exclusive, well, then that's just a misunderstanding. But either way, if Keener's work is a legitimate study on miracles, then there should be no objection to a better formal study. Well, okay, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done.
3: I'm, well, I think, okay. uh, just to tag on, I think if if we did it in the same sense of looking at accounts of miracles, diving in, studying as much of the evidence as possible, including pulling all the medical records we possibly can, um, you know, if, if we're looking at a study that way, I 100% agree. I think a lot more should be done in that regard. The question is, if we're doing it, uh, a study beforehand and trying to force a miracle, then we're missing some of the uh, understanding of what a miracle actually is.
7: I don't think we are. Yeah, I don't either. Because, because I... if, if your argument is that a miracle is actually a thing that can't be studied in a formal sense, what you are actually saying is that a miracle is a thing that cannot be proven in a formal sense, and so I, I don't buy that just because it's a free will action by by some agent that it can't be formally studied. That doesn't that well, doesn't seem I, I to. Don't, I don't think that
4: argument. Yeah,
1: I would. I would, okay. I would like to just. I would just like to add. I like Craig Keener. Uh, I I would like to have another conversation with Craig Keener. He's one of my uh, favorite uh, Christian apologists, and so I, I have no. Acts to grind uh, with Craig, but with regard to his big book of miracles, Craig Keener uh, is not a uh, an investigator. Um, and I would like to have seen if, if he's going to undertake this work to partner with uh, a private investigator, uh, someone oh. who is a professional uh, at looking into things skeptically and uh, hmm. digging it up. In fact, uh, most of Craig Keener's work depends on testimonial report, well, things go awry really, really fast um, there, and we can, you know, we can see it in some of that work. And so if, if, if Craig Keener's book, if, if you're going to kind of cite that as, well, this is proof that miracles happen, and I, then all of you should be saying instead of, I'm kind of skeptical of modern-day miracles, you should be saying, oh, no, modern-day miracles are actually verified and proven. But I think that you realize, too, that Craig Keener's work cannot stand as that proof, because it, it simply was not done in a way that would satisfy a skeptical investigation, and it could have been. And I, w- I would have but We all know
7: that. what skeptical yeah. investigation is here. It, we, are, we are dodging hey, around guys, the
0: central issue. Y- here. You know what? You know what guys? you got to let these guys respond. You've guys been just. It, it, hogging the mic the whole time let the christians respond well i mean y'all are going into these long dialogues I, 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 no wonder that's, he calls you a guys critique. pit bulls <laughs> it's, it's
5: i'll just, say a christian uh, don't support christian like. we've
0: got roughly 10 minutes left so i am trying to move this along too so uh uh, let's let's go with the Christian's response. Let's, you guys can respond to anything. I, I know they threw a lot out there to you. Uh, respond to anything that you would like to. Uh, whoever goes first, I don't care. Uh, go for it. It's y'all's conversation on that part. But uh, let's get the Christian response.
4: I uh, I brought Craig Keener up um, because I I was actually interested in the in the skeptical view of it. I don't think it's knocked down. I think it's suggestive. Um, It has some stronger cases, some weaker cases. I think that David Johnson's idea of teaming up with professional skeptic investigator would be a uh, a, a further step forward and a a legitimate improvement uh, uh, to that. I still don't understand why. uh, I think it was Darren or Andrew said a formal investigation has to be a calling it before the fact. But I may have misunderstood that demand. Uh, but,
7: I'll but, answer it if, if I'm told I can. I don't want to
4: sorry. say it really, But I'm it sorry. was me and I'm I, happy I, to answer cruel. it if it
5: gets around
4: <laughs> to it. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, someone else.
5: I've got uh, two quick points that I'll, I'd like to make, which is, number one, I, I think it's very important from both the Christian and the skeptic perspective to to understand what the Christians believe the purpose of miracles are for. And I I don't think... Necessarily, that all miracles, perhaps some, but not all miracles, are done just to prove the existence of God that' I don't think that's God's primary motivation for doing all miracles um, god God is not so interested in people knowing that he exists, he's interested in people coming into a loving relationship with him so i can I can surely prove that Donald Trump exists and not everyone is going to come into a loving relationship with him. So um, perhaps showing himself in a miraculous way and, and in some respects shoving himself in the face of everyone is not going to accomplish his greater goal, which is bringing people into relationship. The The other point is that I feel like we're almost kind of putting the cart before the horse here. We're, we're trying to talk about the existence of miracles. But I mean, from a skeptic perspective, I don't blame you at all for not believing in miracles because... You don't believe in God. It's like, how is that going to happen? So I don't think that any rationale that I give you is is going to make any sense until we can go back and say, look, do you even think that the the existence of God is possible? Because if God is possible, then miracles are possible. But if God is not possible, then I I don't even believe in miracles if I don't believe in God. So
1: that seems narrow. You're foreclosing on the possibility of some other supernatural causation. And and you're saying, well, we wouldn't believe in God. I don't know. Maybe we would. Maybe we wouldn't. But okay. we would
5: definitely well, I don't believe want, in a supernatural causation. Okay. I don't. And, I want and to, then we I could go from there. I right? won't speak for you. Okay. But I. Well, I will. Maybe I'll just say the positive side of that, which is, if God is possible, then it seems rational to think that miracles are possible.
1: Right. But if miracles are possible, then God is possible. That we could. You can. You can work your way to God a lot easier if you can prove the things that you claim God did. So I'm, I, that is not an an in, in, uh, in uh, an inaccurate type of um, formulation. So I, I would be glad to see a miracle, and then uh, I could say, "Well, something is hinky about the universe. There's something about the universe. I certainly don't know." Let's have a further conversation. Yeah.
7: Um, isn't the, it the know, case the that, that is, isn't it the case that in order to believe that God exists, he has to do something to I'm not even suggesting a miracle? But you know, you said that that God's objective. Is to bring people into a loving relationship with him, right? Well, surely that entails a demonstration of concrete existence, whatever that. Yeah, it's got to
5: gonna exist if you're going to love him. Yeah. Is that your point? In, in well, no, 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 he no. That's, he that's not
7: my wonders. point. He, it, so, in order to love him, it's not that he has to exist; it is that he has to demonstrate to me that he exists. That's so, you know, maybe there are fairies. Maybe the like, celestial yeah. teapot exists, right? And and maybe some people believe in those, but but without uh, a demonstration of a fairy or the celestial teapot, then there w- there is no sense in which I should believe in them. And the same thing would be true for a Jehovah or a Yahweh. That's what I'm
1: saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I Fair appreciate enough. where I appreciate where you were going, and I just I just wanted to say those couple of theological things. Um, yeah. In, in the Bible, we have signs and wonders. And so when you're saying, well, God doesn't do signs and wonders, well, what you're actually saying, well, he doesn't do signs and wonders anymore. Uh, because the Bible is full of uh, that that term uh, where it seems he did things just to get people to believe uh, as a result. So yeah, I, I I think that theologically your formulation is wrong, that what God wants to do is get us to love him. Well, that may be one of his goals, but he also did things to get people to believe, and, and you're missing that. Um, and secondly, in the Bible, there were people who tested him, and he was okay with those tests. And so, you know, it's it's convenient now
5: to look at other parts of the Bible and say, well, okay,
1: period of testing is closed. Well, no, I think it's true that they did
5: test him. It's not true that that was always the right thing to do. So just because God condescended to answer those tests doesn't mean that it's the right thing for us to do. I mean, I'm still going to go back.
1: Sometimes it seems like it was sometimes the right thing to do because he actually encouraged the tests. All right. So theologically speaking, you're just
5: that's that's
1: a little bit
5: inaccurate. Okay, and maybe that's true in that time and place. But I'm still going to go back to what Jesus taught, which is it's not you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Am I supposed to disobey that?
1: Okay, I'm just, I'm just putting out the other side uh, because okay. in these conversations where theology comes up, I find that few people are really theologians. Uh, I, I find that there are a lot of apologists who, who don't know theology very well. And so when, when listeners listen, when, when listeners listen, I just, I like to put out, look, I understand your book, <laughs> I understand your theology. And there are some things that are being said that uh, a, a greater conversation can be put around. So, yes, I take your point. Jesus said that. But that's that can be interpreted in the light of other things that the Bible says to the contrary.
8: Yeah, i well, not on that same point. Didn't Jesus also say, ask and you shall receive. So can you put that into the context of miracles? Oh, man,
5: that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh. so let's
0: let's let's give the christians uh the last word here uh we got time for one more question after this all right it'll
1: come from brian uh who is not here brian with a y all right
3: uh don't speak all at once let's start with caleb Uh, i'm just sitting back enjoying all this at this point i've said uh, my piece on uh, miracles for the most part so uh, the theological side, as, as David said, yeah, there are some uh, challenges there, and we certainly have to look at it in a whole, I think. As Christians, you know, we believe the Bible is a complete work of God, so we have to look at it in the context of the whole thing. So, yeah, there are some some tricky examples there theologically as to how we're supposed to look at this issue of miracles, but I think What we do see is that when miracles happen, God always has a purpose for it, and it usually communicates something about his nature or his goals. So I think we have to look at that as the same kind of context in the same way he's going to use miracles today. If he uses them, he's going to use it for his goals and purposes. So if our goal and purpose going into a study is to demonstrate God, It's going to be up to him as to whether he wants to answer that. So while we could do a study proactively, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get any results that show it. Now, if we look at examples after the fact, do a great big investigation on it, you know, we may find something again, but it's going to come down to what do you look at in these case studies? Do you believe these examples? Do you believe there's enough missing information here to cast doubt on this account? Or do you believe there's enough information here to say with great probability this was a
4: miracle that occurred? I'll leave it there. All right. Before <laughs> I
1: ask
0: Brian's question, Charles, uh, I need to ask a Hold on one second. Okay. Charles, do you got any anything to add on that last piece?
5: Well, maybe just uh, one point back to uh David J. Uh you the the idea between God exists and miracles are, are possible. Uh, and you said, um, I think you said something like that g- miracles could prove God's existence. And I think that for individuals, miracles would only prove God's existence to someone who thinks that God's possible. So if you don't think God is even possible, even if you were to experience a miracle, I think somehow you just justify that off as some material explanation. Be like, no, well, yeah, That's I saw exactly. stars in the sky, but nah, you know, I'm I'm probably seeing things. Maybe I need to That's go see a exactly psychiatrist. I uh, I did say that
1: could be a gateway to God existing. But what I mostly said was, if you can prove that miracles exist, that would show me the supernatural exists, that there's something more to this universe. There's something hinky going on. We're not talking about physics at that point. We're talking about something else. Now, maybe a demonstration of miracles would prove that Zeus exists. And in that case, you wouldn't want to prove that miracles exist. Maybe it would prove, maybe it would show me that... um, you know, some other form of non-material, non-corporeal uh, being exists, and so you're just kind of discounting that. You're you're say, you're insisting that I must have the miracle point to God, and I'm saying no, you don't have to do that. And so if you if you got the goods, show me the goods, and let me
5: follow that from there. Yeah. Uh, so the the only problem I have with that is that you say if uh, if I can prove that the miracle exists, and I, I think that's where you and I are kind of disagreeing. I'm I'm not sure that anything to you could prove that miracle exists because I, I think that you are cognitively closed to that possibility. I mean, you, you could say, look at it, if something ha- X, Y, and Z happens, but unless, well, okay, so maybe there's- It seems this, like there, it's not things. worth it for that you- That
7: seems very ad hoc. Yeah.
1: It, if, it's not worth it to you to prove it to me if I'm not going to agree in advance that I will believe in your God. And, and, and it could be that I will believe in a Hindu God. And so you want, you want to get a kind of an agreement up front that I'm going to agree with your God before you show me that a miracle exists. Otherwise, it's not worth no, it. I, okay, And so I, think, I-, I think that's the closed view here. I'm, I'm asking for the miracle. I, show me something I can believe. I'll believe it. I don't know how I will interpret it. Sure, I don't know enough. what that will, right? But I should have the opportunity to interpret it in some way but okay. you're going to propose so, on that possibility because okay, i'm not an going to raise my hand and say yeah I don't
0: let, in god. let's let charles respond and then you can ask the next question david
5: yeah so i I, def, I i see where you're going which is if i if i could prove to you that a miracle exists it would not necessarily lead to a christian god is it is that what your point yes. is yeah okay and fair enough i think you're philosophically absolutely correct in that point but i think if i could so to speak prove that a miracle happened to you then you'd have to admit that there was at least more than materialism, whatever Uh, that might be. I have no, I have no problem with that. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. But if you're, so my, I misstated it, but my point is if you're close to the possibility of there being something besides materialism, it's going to be very difficult to prove that a miracle exists. And, and then I don't even like that word prove because it, it carries, I think, an undue, Realistic objectives like can't I just can't we just say why does it have to be like a hundred percent? Why can't we demonstrate that it seems more likely miraculous than not to to be rationally believing in that it was a miracle until we well, like we've tried that many
1: times. And your answer is, I mean, the answer is not that, you know, we skeptics won't try to go down that road we do. But when Christians do kind of lay out the evidence for a particular miracle and we point out um, places where there are holes in the story, you're saying uh, what we get is, well, you're just close to the possibility. And what we say is, well, you're you're just trying to prove God and you're you're letting your uh, skeptical
0: investigation uh, be solved. And so that's that's kind of yeah. where the problem is. Fair enough. Yeah. And. And to leave that on the cutting floor, anything else on the cutting floor, uh, is that is that everything you guys wanted to say on this? Uh, Charles, was that the end there?
5: Well, I'd be happy to just to say that if, if we could agree whatever the standard is, it's it's not going to be 100%. If it was like 51%, whatever that meant, then I'd probably be happy to leave it there. All right.
0: Now, Brian's question, David, that's the last one. He asked, he asked three.
1: Uh, one is inflammatory. Two uh, would take you <laughs> long gun pack? So exciting. So- I'm going to. Well, we, we can't have any inflammatory questions on this show. Um, so yeah. I want to go with: um, Can you disagree with God? Uh, and the follow-up: uh, What do you disagree with uh, uh, on if, if you can disagree with God, and if you can't, uh, would you if he allowed you to? So this what do you is about, mean by disagree. What,
4: that's great. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: so I, I think what he means, and so I'm, uh, I'm speaking for him and thus uh, taking over the question a little bit if, I'm, if it's not what he means. Uh, God says something like, um, you know, in this period of time, uh, the law is that homosexuals are an abomination and they should be put to death. Um, agree or disagree. Well, the Christian kind of has to come up with a way of saying, well, I agree. You know, at that time, that was the right thing. And uh, most skeptics would say, no, that's monstrous at any time for any people. And so I would disagree with God's judgment. Is it okay to disagree with God uh, is the question. I'm just using that as an example. That is not necessarily Brian's subtext, but that's the best way that I can explain it.
4: Okay, so uh, leaving the example aside... Um, if the question is, is it okay to disagree with God, um, just abstractly as a question standing out there, no, if, if, if God is omniscient and correct, I'm not. So there are times when I have disagreed with what I think God says, uh, that's a different question, but it's not okay.
1: Why would you believe he's omniscient and correct? Because that wasn't really a part of the question. Where oh, do you get that oh, idea?
4: The, the way the question was stated is, is it okay to agree with God? So, right, but Even, if, really, you, even
1: right. if you believe that God exists, I, I can tell you, I've talked to Christians who don't believe that he's uh, omniscient. Okay. Uh, yeah. always, so there are...
4: They'd answer you know, if you're.
1: <laughs> yeah
4: sure sure Uh, i'm you're right i did presume uh, a more classical or historic orthodox biblical view so i i won't at this point back up to to defend that but I, i am just presuming that view of god when the question is asked it's it's probably the the classical view of god but maybe the the questioner had a different view of god in mind i not sure which view to answer.
1: We we get all uh, kinds of views on the board, and I've okay. had all <laughs> kinds of guests that have uh, trust me would not um, go with that uh, classical uh, view. Uh, uh, and so enough, you know, enough, if fair. if your assumption is God is right in all of His, you know, is is infinitely correct uh then I understand why you would say no you couldn't disagree with him. So that may be just a part of the subtext uh yeah. that you have to accept with this yeah. question. Yeah.
4: Under the classical view I think the question reduces to is it is it uh you know is it right to be wrong? You know, logically it would reduce, <laughs> reduce to that. And, you know, so, so yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have a problem uh, disagreeing
5: with Thor. Uh, but I I do have I do think it would be wrong to disagree with an omniscient God, and and my personal belief is that God is omniscient. So in my view, yes, it would is be. It wrong okay, is it okay? Is it okay to follow? Is it okay to
1: follow up uh, then with this question that is proving to be too easy by saying, can you just give a? One or two sentences. No,
5: no, I want to answer. That's like that's it. It's easy, and that we're yeah, because sure. yeah, this is the last question. But we got
0: like, Caleb, what do you think on this question, uh, right. real quick? Yeah, and if you don't mind
1: adding a one or two sentences to, if you <laughs> if you take, well, it's a classical god. Why do you assume that God is omniscient? I mean, can you unpack that at least a little bit for the people listening to the, um, to the show, <laughs> um you know, that's that's an assumption that that the Christians on this panel seem to be making. So maybe we can get underneath that assumption. And I, I will not push back on that assumption. I just wanna know where you get it from because even Christians who believe that uh, may, may come at that assumption differently. And I, I'm guessing a lot of people believe it because that's what they think the Bible says. Um, and if that's the answer, great, that's the answer. But if there's something
3: more interesting there, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, uh, you know, it is, it is my view that God is omniscient as well as as omnipresent. It's the only—and and Kevin could answer this far more eloquently than I can—but from my philosophical understanding of, of looking at what kind of being could create a universe, uh, what is consistent with the universe we have— The only view I see that consistently holds up is a God that is omnipresent, omnipowerful, and omniscient. So I see God as an all-powerful being, and if that's the case, you know, if, if an omnipresent, omnipowerful God were to tell us that, you know, we've got to sacrifice people for the sun to come up every day, then that would be the correct thing to do if this being is the ultimate power justice love within the universe um and i do believe that that that's how god is so i believe that his view is going to be correct whether or not my view is
5: yeah all
0: right go ahead charles
5: yeah i was just gonna Tag on there. So I think when we talk about disagreement, it sounds like we're not really talking about things like math or, you know, the state of atoms. Really, it seems like it has like a moral hint to it, especially since the example given was, say, uh, homosexuality in the Old Testament. So if if we're talking about disagreeing with God in a moral context, there seems to be um, a, a deeper question is, is there such a thing as objective moral values? And if there are, then those, in our view, can only come into existence if there is a moral law giver. And so how can you morally disagree with the one who gives the moral law? I, I think by definition, then you would be wrong. Uh, if there is no objective moral values and duties, then what, what are we even talking about?
7: I don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's too hard to create fertile ground for disagreement there, though, even, even with a, a moral law giver. Okay. Uh, here, here's why: if the if the Bible is the is the ground upon which you think that uh, a moral lawgiver gave objective moral laws, it's and not... it is the well, okay, but whatever the ground is, if it's the case that uh, that some fallible beings can find ambiguity in that moral law, in other words. If there's, if there's not a clear way for us to all agree on what the objective outcomes should be, then we have reasonable grounds to disagree with that objective lawgiver, whether the laws were objective or not. They should be so objective that there should not be fertile ground for disagreement. And that is not what we have. Well,
5: well that's the uh,
4: difference between that. Can I ask a clarifying question. Um, Please. Are we talking about disagreeing intentionally with God or accidentally? Because I I'll certainly get oh, things God, all the time. Intentionally. Huge difference. <laughs> in yeah, no, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty question. sure the
1: question is intentionally. Um, God yeah. says something and you think about it and say, no, I don't think that's right.
4: We, that is, to put it another way, I know you are saying this, God. I, I fully believe that God intends this uh, to be what God is saying. And I intentionally think that God is wrong. Right. right. So that, that, way, that, that, John, that penetrates the hidden of
7: hiddenness, though, right? Because one of the problems that we have uh, with the claim of an objective lawgiver is the fact that there is an acknowledgment, maybe not by all of you, but in Christendom generally, there seems to be an acknowledgement of the hiddenness of God. And so hiddenness creates a problem for this very conversation.
4: All right. Yeah. I, I see, I see your point. I, I agree with that. Uh, I'm trying to connect it back to the, the proxy question that was asked. Sure. I don't want
7: to derail that either. i just, um, there's a hiddenness issue for claiming oh, sure, objective sure.
4: law. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, a okay. discussion, but, I'm just saying, I think when it's a hiddenness issue, let's say the believer, whatever that is, is is grasping to get it right. By which they mean, what do you really want, God? I want to agree with you. So in relation back to the original proxy question, I think that would still not be uh, the believer saying it's okay to disagree with God. I think if I understand the conversation right. Sure.
1: I, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, Russell, are we going to get an opportunity at brief closing statements?
0: Yes, uh, you could start. Good. Uh,
1: uh, actually, uh, I'm going to pass my start to Matthew because he's been sitting there thinking <laughs> that he's invisible. And uh, as Drax on uh, the Gala- Guardians the Galaxy. That's of how Galilee, the
8: special relationship he, works. I, I only appear when you call on he, me. He,
1: If he stood still (laughs) long enough, he would become invisible. And um, I just want to say, I want to declare on this podcast, I've been seeing you the whole time, Matthew. It does not work.
8: Um,
1: (laughs) So you get to go
8: first. Um, Just a thought on the, I'll I'll stick to the last question because, you know, time and all that. Um, I've, um, I'm at that time of life where I'm the parent of a teenage girl.
0: (laughs) Me too, me too. (laughs)
8: And I feel your pain. <laughs> because I'm the parent, I'm always right, and uh, my house, my rules. <laughs> wow. <of> now, <laughs> spoken regardless, like God. Regardless of me being right, my my daughter will still argue back to me, uh, sometimes quite quite vocally. And to be quite honest, I think that's a much healthier relationship. I would much rather have a daughter that argued back at me and had her own mind than a daughter who just accepted everything that i i said so that's my analogy to the conversation that we've just had and that's my closing statement so was there thank a thank you gentlemen no, was, no it uh, was a, it was a thought not quite, a closing was... statement
0: okay and uh, you know what i do want to say matthew that i uh i hear you on that uh, and i think that's why uh uh you know, Jesus said David was after his own heart. So uh, but anyways, uh, who do we got next, David? Uh,
1: first of all, are, uh, are do you Christians want to participate in the closing do statement? Christians. Actually, wow. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> those those people degraded you, to them enough. Honestly, it's not really a question. We do closing statements on this show, so prepare your closing statements. We're going to go with the leader of the pack uh, next year. Uh, it's which one of you is the leader? Um, whoever the leader is, God is. Uh, we're make,
7: waiting for a, we're waiting for God to deliver His closing. Whichever
1: one of you speaks for God, uh, you can uh, make a one to two minute closing statement here. Uh, the rules are: closing statements are not rebutted, they're not commented on, and they're not interrupted. Go.
3: All right. Well, um, you know, honestly, my closing statement here is a little off topic from the discussion we've been having. Um, It is that I think this kind of thing is exactly what we should be seeing among skeptics, among believers, uh, especially among Christians. We don't see enough of these kind of conversations where we discuss important issues like this and we get down to the nuts and bolts of the argument. We can agree to disagree on many points, but we should be looking to explore truth, we should be looking at evidence, and we should be able to disagree in a way that is uh, respectable, and I think everybody today has, has demonstrated this. We've had some fun, we've had good conversations, Um, And we've we've gotten down to some important issues, and we've left people with things to further explore. There were a lot of name drops, a lot of references for other places to go check out and go dig into. And, you know, with our group Question Christianity, you know, that's really what we aim to do. We are not experts on everything we talk about. We try and give people reasonable answers— and we try and point people towards resources where they can dig in for deeper answers. So, um, you know, that's my closing statement is I think if anybody takes anything away from that, uh, go out and have a conversation like this with somebody you disagree with. And uh, that's a great place to start.
1: Thanks so much. Uh, Darren.
7: I don't
6: see him online. Yeah, he I mean, is here. Okay um well um i it was an interesting conversation um i don't know that um i know for me i didn't really get a lot of satisfactory answers from the questions we presented um i spent probably a year uh looking into ndes and out-of-body experiences bought the books tried to have them all that good stuff and um it seems like it seems like to me that um None of the stories ever held up to close scrutiny, which is why I generally don't accept NDEs as evidence. Um, they just need to they ju- they just need more rigor before they can be presented as um, evidence, as far as I can tell. Um, but in the future, I think I would love to have um, I would love to chat with these guys either online or offline. There's a lot I think we could cover. Um, for example, they kept. Uh, talking about the plausibility and possibility of God and, and miracles and such. And as far as I can tell, the plausibility and possibility of, of a God or the supernatural is zero. So I would love to talk with them and see how they come up with their, um, their numbers. Uh, what is exactly the probability of a supernatural event happening? Um, I would love to see those numbers. I'd love to see the work and I would love to see how that, um, how they come to that conclusion. So that's, that's me. All
5: right. Um, Charles. Charles. Yeah. uh, Well, I have to, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I was uh, very intimidated to come on the show. It's uh, there's, I think whatever else might be said, I'd say from the skeptical side, you you guys brought great questions, had great rebuttals. Uh, It's been, uh, at the very least, it's been a very engaging conversation and uh, you certainly kept us on our toes. Um, I'm, I'm also not like, I'm like what I consider a $1 apologist. You know, I'm not a million dollar apologist. I'm I'm a $1 apologist. I, I, I definitely have a passion for it, but you know, I, I don't at all have all the answers, but there again, I, I don't know that I could summarize it any better than what Caleb said. The, The most valuable thing that happened here is that we were both willing to listen to each other's side and have a, well, productive or not to at least have the conversation and at least give each other an ear and i well i fear that in this this day and age that that well hopefully that's not coming to a close that from the christian side i think that skeptics should always be given a voice you should always be able to raise questions and hard questions and and at least have someone who's willing to give you an answer and i i hope that the other side is at least true i, I feel that the, that's what's happened here you guys are at least willing to talk and and listen to us so i thank you for that and i, I really appreciate this opportunity Thank gentlemen. you. Um, Andrew
7: Andrew. Okay. Um, want to echo uh, the sentiment that this was a, a very engaging, a very engaging show. sometimes uh, sometimes you get these this many people together, and it's it's hard for eight people to share a mic. and And I'll simply say that this was a great combination. And I hope we get to do it again. And to that extent, if we do it again, we probably have some housekeeping to do ahead of time, right, to, uh, to figure out uh, how to limit the questions, maybe pick the most interesting ones, uh, do a better job of handing off the mic. I think, to be quite frank, the skeptics did a poor job of that today, uh, including myself. So thank you guys for being patient. To move on to the, the balance of the questions and answers, for me, the, the big issue uh, can be summarized in the first couple of questions in the question on miracles. I don't know, was there a question in between us? Um, we asked about uh, a non-material realm where there were some laws, some things that we could reasonably judge to be there and how to assess what it was at the beginning. I didn't get a clear answer for that. I, I didn't get a sense that it was, uh, that it was coherent. To suggest that that there was a non physical place that we could reasonably, uh, where we could reasonably decide uh, what the system of rules there was and how it might interact with us, and that progressed into the miracle conversation. I think we asked some pretty, some pretty reasonable questions about miracles, and largely what we got was what we always get: well, God's working in a in a foreign country or. Or, you know, God doesn't, uh, God won't be put to the test. Um, But whatever whatever the uh, the accumulation of the answer was, it was, well, sorry, skeptics, but the power of God is not open to you. And that should be concerning to everybody, everybody listening. I do want to say thank you and feel free to push back on my clothes. I have absolutely no problem. Uh, with answers to my objections uh, by the rest of you, but but thank each of you, uh, and I hope we get to do it again. I really do. I thought this was a blast. All right, All right uh,
0: Kevin. All right. Oh, we have another
1: half.
4: Huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm like Charles. I was uh, really intimidated of the notion of coming on the show. I've I've never been on a on a show like this uh i appreciate uh, the uh even the push right you know especially the challenges because again honestly I, i felt frustrated with myself about not having enough details on recall like some of you guys have and can quickly go to the the details so um yeah i wish i so Hopefully we will get another opportunity to, to speak further and it gave me a lot to reflect on. Um, I think as, as an overall, uh, takeaway for me, as far as the concepts involved, um, I am still, I'm still wondering about, you know, this, this assumption that we can reduce everything. To uh, physical phenomena, all of human experience, um, the uh, the idea of testing miracles reasonable, um, but you know that's sort of a haunting quote. I think it was Andrew left that makes the skeptic feel like you know the power of God is not open or available to me. Um, makes uh, wow. My first thought is yeah there's more to the power of god than outward um you know spectacular healings or something like that and i think the power of god is open in other in other ways to all of us but uh this is not the best closing statement because it's just turning into is uh, <laughs> raising more questions so um thank you all um i I learned a lot Uh, i I learned a lot of things that i need to learn more about that's very helpful to me uh seriously so thank you thank you kevin
0: all right johnson
1: perfectly acceptable closing statement uh so all of you who are you know talking about your nervousness, uh, get over it. You know what, the worst thing that can happen is you show up less prepared than you think and you end up looking stupid. We skeptics have been doing that for a long time. Uh, you, it gets easier more you do it. <laughs> so, don't, don't worry about that, you're fine. Um, so, uh, I mean, I tend to sweat all the way through a podcast. So, uh, what, are, what are you gonna do? Um, so, I want to uh, pick up on Andrew's thought and curse him, damn you, uh, for taking uh, some of my closing thought thunder. Um, that will not be the last time you say that to me, sir. Hey, uh, it, will, it probably won't be the last time I say it on this podcast. Um, so I think one of the biggest problems uh, that Christians face today Uh, is this broader category of thing uh, called the hiddenness of God. Um, So that's been talked about a little bit. And so I will just pivot right now and move to a different uh, thought that's similar, which is the fairness um, aspect, uh, the justice aspect. I understand the impulse of the theologian to say, well, God doesn't work that way. You can't just, you know, he's not a genie in a bottle. You can't just uh, snap your fingers and have him do stuff. And yet we look at uh, something like Keener's Big Book of Miracles, which is story after story in many cases of a Christian uh, saying, okay, God, I need you to grow this person's finger back. Um, And God was happy to do it then. So it does work that way then. It works that way every time a Christian talks about a miracle uh, that somebody did. Oh, I had cancer and uh, had brain cancer. Half my head was falling off. And with the other half, I prayed and woke up next morning. The whole head was there. Well, it it, it turns out God does work that way. But he doesn't work that way for anyone who's looking. Um, And so if God does work that way for some people, then I find it completely unfair that it doesn't work that way for me. He says well you know what God wants is a lasting relationship but you know we've had christians many christians hundreds of christians i've heard their stories of how you know they walked through this valley of doubt uh, and they prayed to god and they cried out to god and god reached out and he touched their heart and he showed them some great thing and oh i felt jesus and i was returned well guess what i was a christian for 40 years uh and i walked through a valley of doubt for a lot of that and i prayed and I asked and I fell on my face and I built altars, God damn it, altars, uh, whatever it took. And God didn't do that for me. Don't tell me that God doesn't work that way. We've got all kinds of Christian uh, testimonials that God works exactly that way. But when it comes to me, oh no, God doesn't work that way. Screw that. I, I, I have no respect for that whatsoever. What you're trying to say is that my God isn't falsifiable. But you've got too many testimonial stories on your side that says, oh, yes, he is. But what it says is he's not for you. And what the Christian argument seems to be is if you believe in God first with all your heart, then he'll show himself to you. Well, screw that, too. Um, So I find it most unfair if God would allow me to go through this life and not show himself in a way that I could believe. But he's done that for thousands of other people where he showed himself in a way that they could believe. I don't buy that. I don't buy that, it's not right. So not only is he hidden when someone comes around with a microscope to look, but he also seems pretty capricious in who he wants and who he doesn't want. If he doesn't want me,
0: Ross. Is that your close, my friend? <laughs> you, you you wanted to end it with that mic drop. Okay, I got you. Well, everybody had to be the me at some point. So <laughs> uh, my, my closing statement, you know, we just heard from Christian and Christianity. This is the podcast that everybody should listen to if they want to uh, hear more about them. So my closing statement is going to have to just basically do with uh, telling you guys that I hope I moderated it okay. I do promise if we do this again – I will format it a little different. Uh, I did uh, enjoy the conversation on both sides here. Uh, you guys put some some great questions to the to the floor there, um, and unfortunately, you can't answer every one of them, and you have to leave some on the cutting floor. We've just went two hours, guys, and we still haven't even dug in to the to the hard stuff yet. And you know, I appreciate each and every one of you. And you know what? If you guys agree. I would love to host you again, and we will do it the, the opposite way. You guys can question and grill the atheists next time. Uh, you already got your, your paws bloody here, so <laughs> you know how it goes. This is, this is it. Uh, this is what Skeptics and Seekers does, and with that – I am, uh, David. Do we have anything else coming up that uh, I keep promising the comment week? show?
1: I promise okay. it after every podcast. It's going to happen eventually. I think it's probably going to happen after this. I still haven't gotten in touch with Brian, but by the time you hear this, I am pretty sure that I will have a hard agreement that a comment show is going to come uh, the following week. Uh, So stay tuned for that, everybody. And um, yeah, when we do do the next show, I'm happy to uh, reconvene once a month until we get this out of our systems. Uh, So we've already already got another round of questions that we can uh, ask two more rounds. So, um, yeah, let us know in the comments uh, what you think, folks. Uh, You can reach us at skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Ah, uh, go there. Just find the latest show. Leave, uh, sign into your uh, discuss account and uh, join the conversation. If you'd like to uh, ask me uh, something in private, uh, then you can send me an email at skepticsandseekers@gmail.com, at uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, have an exchange there. If you want to be on the show, if you want to be on the show, and you have. Even less experienced than these guys. John uh, me a line, uh, seekers at gmail.com. You're on. You're already on. I approve. We'll just work out the schedule. Uh, come on. I love talking to real people about real things that matter to you. So, Does uh, Questioning
6: Christianity have a website and ways they can get a hold of? Yeah. Uh, Caleb, why don't
0: you just throw us a, a bone there?
3: Yeah. So uh, check out Question Christianity on Facebook or on YouTube. We do live shows every two weeks, uh, lots of listener interaction. So you can check us out on Facebook and YouTube, Question Christianity. All right. Well, that's the end, gentlemen. Everybody have a good one.